Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have something I want to speak on today. I've sort of felt it for a while. It's, it's um, I guess you would say it's getting in sort of an area that I don't really speak on much. So if you would just... As I go along, just pray for me. Um, it, is, it is really something that I have really felt, and it really angers me, to tell you the truth, the more I think about it. But um, we as Christian people, we need to know everything we can about God, his word, everything he's given us, and, and we do not need to be rocked to sleep in any area of our life at all. I mean, we have an enemy that's out to destroy us in any way he can. And if we take it, if we take it anything at easy, I mean, we are setting ourselves up. And we're just, where I just want to begin is in John 10.10. Uh, 10. I mean, we've read this verse um, before, so if, if you just want to follow on the screen or if you have your Bible, John 10.10, 10, the Lord just says it like this. Number one, the thief cometh not gives us three reasons, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Then the Lord completely flips it over, and he said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. So he tells us right off the bat, you have an enemy, and you better take this serious. So we just come in and we hear that because we've heard it so many times. We're Christians. There is a devil. A lot of people tells us, that's just Old Testament. That's just, this is 2014. I can't believe you even still believe that. And we just got so many people that's just like, get with it, man. You know, this is, this is the modern age. I just, I just can't believe you still hold on to them areas, you know. But God is saying, you have an enemy. Don't you forget it. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy and we cannot forget that's in this life. That is in this life that he's wanting to do that. That ain't in the life to come. That's right now that he's wanting to do this. And just so, uh, of just a real life scenario that, um, that I could put it to that I was thinking about. What if when you got home, just deputy sheriffs was everywhere at your house. You pulled up and the sheriff got out and said, look, these dudes escaped from prison. There's a band of them. There's a leader with them. And he has just swore we found letters that he left. He named you. He named your family. He has swore to destroy you. That is his goal. That is his purpose. He said in his letters he will not stop until you are completely destroyed. Thank you very much. You can leave now. No, sir. You would look around and you would think, what have I got to do? I'm only one man. As a man, I've only got two fists. I can only do so much. I have got to start looking for some weapons. I have got to check my weapons. I've got to see. Now, no matter where you may feel in that, stay with me. I have got to find some kind of weapons. We have a weapon. God said, you take this weapon that I have given you. And you do this, and you would think, back, go back to the natural with me. I have got to have some weapons. As sheriff is telling me, they have swore to kill me and my family. That is their goal. They said they will not stop, and what am I going to do? Am I going to go in the house, prop my feet up, and just say, you know, I'm just not going to take this threat seriously. That's okay. My windows is secure. I'll be okay. No, sir. We would take that threat very seriously. We would start looking to do whatever we had to do to protect us 
in our family because we have uh, took this threat very seriously that someone is out to harm us. So Jesus says, number one, steal, kill, and destroy. That is it. That is his goal. That is his purpose. And he will do that because, number one, in Genesis, when Satan did what he done, part of the curse is God said, I'm going to put enmity. I'm going to put amosity. In other words, we would say, from now on, this means war. Between your seed and her seed, it ain't going to be friends no more. There is going to be a war between you and Satan from now on. And it is never going to stop. It's never going to be put at ease. It ain't never going to get no better. From the time that you born until the time that you die, he will try to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. That's going to be his goal. That's his mission. That's why ministers has told us from the time we are born, he don't care if you're 8 or 80, as Brother Boyd puts it. It does not matter. It's, it's, that, that is why. That is why we can't. You know, we come in and we hear this. We cannot. It has got to be preached to us until the time we leave this earth. We cannot forget this. We have got an enemy that is swore to kill, literally kill, kill and destroy us. That is his goal. That is his purpose. That is why God gave us this um, example, gave us his reasons. That's the enemy's goals in which we live in. He said, that's what he's going to do. And that's why he flipped it around. He says, that's his goal. But he said, I came to give life. That is my reason for living. God said, that is what I, my purpose is. The enemy, the thief only cometh to kill. God said, I came to give you life. That is what I'm going to do. And then the one thing that the good shepherd did, he was going to do. Now, this it really rubs me raw, and I will really try to watch my words. But there is a whole, whole lot of spiritualism going on in our world today. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. There is literally all kinds of shows that say they can communicate with the dead. What is the common phrase in these shows? They are dead. They are dead. God has repeatedly, time and time again, through this holy word, said, do not go to a medium. You want to know something, you come to me. You do not consult a medium. You consult me. You do not. They are dealing with demons. What they have done is open a gateway. And if I, as a so-called Christian, find myself comfortable sitting there watching something like that, I have better guard my spirit because of what I am doing. I am opening up areas in which I would find myself in trouble later because I cannot do that because the Bible's done told me that what I'm wrestling against is these principalities and powers. Paul told us, he says, you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you do wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, you can't just skip through life as nothing is going to happen. You, once you took on the blood of Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus Christ, you enlisted in an army that is warring against the evil army. And it's not that you can just lock yourself in a closet and just says, you know what, I'm not going to fight anymore. Not a chance. Not a chance. God has given us every weapon available to defeat the enemy. The only thing that stop us is going to be fear. And God has says he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So everything I need to conquer the enemy has been given to me. If I will not give in unto the enemy, but the really, it is everywhere, and it's all done under the guise of entertainment of all things. And that just rubs me, I'm telling you, the wrong way. Just so many people are just sucked into this. They just sit there and absorb this, not really realizing the gateway that's being opened in their lives, not really realizing what's happening, what they're allowing to subject into their mind, and preachers are screaming day in and day out, do not allow this in your home. Do not make yourself subject to this. Do not let this envelop in you. And Christians is almost like, what's wrong with that? It's just a show. 
It's not a show. You're dealing with demons. You're dealing with people that say they communicate with the dead. That says, my uncle told me this. My aunt told me this. You better believe they're dealing with demons. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. God nowhere in Scripture sanctioned one of his Holy Ghost feel, one of his spirit on, even in the Old Testament. He never sanctioned one of his own to go to a psychic, a medium, a sorcerer, a say of no kind for information. It never happened. He says, you want to come to me, you come to the fountain of living waters. You come to the one that has the answers. You seek me. Seek me if you have an answer. Seek me and I will be found of you. And that's where he said you, you would do it. But you got this. It's in our world. There is so many movies. There is so much television shows that's just dealing with this. And they make it seem so harmless. It is just literally harmless. So what? And it's just like I was telling Brother Gibson. It's just you tell someone that you have a ghost in your house, you will be accepted. You tell them you have a ministering spirit, an angel, you're a fruitcake. It's that much turned around. It's that much turned around. You have a haunted house, they'll make a reality show about you. You tell them you're so close to God, you got ministering spirits, the fruitcake has lost it. But I'm telling you, let it happen. Let it happen. God said, I'm telling you that the shows that, that is going on, that is being broadcast through the airways, it is just, it is just dealing, it is opening gateways that I'm telling you that America is just literally just being like a vortex is being sucked into this and it's all done. They're just sitting there and all the, if you ask them, it's just nothing to it. It's just entertainment. And the enemy is saying, it's just let them go, let them go. Let them go. Let them go. And God is saying, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're dealing with things that you do not understand what's going to be the end result of it. You do not understand. They are dead. They are dead. I mean, it just, I'm not, I'm not saying we don't have grief when someone dies. Sure we do. Sure we do. We're just human. We're flesh and blood. I mean, who would not after especially, I mean, I'm married. We've been married 35 years. <sighs> you don't know where I'm going. If she was to die, there would be nothing I would like better than to communicate with her. But I can't find that in Scripture, and that is what I got to go by. If she passes, she passes. I got to let it go. And that's what I've got to go by. If I die, she's got to let it go. You cannot. If when they're dead, they're dead. I'm not saying, I mean, I can't put God in a box and say this would never happen. I can't say what God will or won't do. I'm not saying that. All we've got is God's word. That is what we have got to go by. And all I know is God said, do not go to them. Do not consult a medium. Do not do it. Do not do it. And I'm telling you, these shows that's on TV, I'm not your pastor, and I'm telling you, if one thing I guard is try to not to never, ever throw a standard on you or preach to you like I am your pastor, I'm just telling you as a friend right now, and I know my place in this church, believe me, but I'm telling you, I would not, I would not, Allow that in my house. And that's as far as I'll go with it. That's as far as I'll go with it. We are spiritual people. We are spiritual people. We, we work in the spirit, live in the spirit. We, we just operate in the spirit because we are spiritual. That is why Paul said, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, because they are spirits, and we live in the spirit. He said that's why we have got to fight them in the spirit, not flesh and blood. You fight in the spirit. You war against them in the spirit. That is how you can conquer them in the spirit. That is how you can do this. And one thing, I'm going to jump right quick to um, 
I'm, I, I want to show you a principle in um, it's in First um, First Chronicles. Turn with me to First Chronicles. It gives us the end result of Saul. This was the way it was chronicled of Saul. We know so much potential that happened. This is just the way the Bible records it. First Chronicles 10, 13. Handpicked of God. Handpicked of God. And this is his result. So Saul died for his transgressions, which he's committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that hath a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Now he kept not the word of the Lord. Number one, as I've screamed, God said, don't go to him, and he did. He consulted a medium, forgot it. God said, if you want to know, come to me, come to me. He went to a medium. He did not inquire the Lord. The Bible says, therefore, God slew him. Man didn't. God slew him. Therefore, now this is the thing. Look at the potential at verse 14, the last phrase, and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Other words, he took what he had and he gave it to another. All the potential that he had for diving in an area that he didn't have no business in. All the potential that he had. This man was king of Israel. I would think one of the highest positions you could ever have. And God said, I told you, do not go to a medium. And that was the highest insult that he could make against Jehovah. I'm telling you, if Saul would want to know something, all he had to do was mention Jehovah. And I believe God would have answered him. Or go to the high priest and put on the ephod. I've got something that I need to know. You asked of Jehovah for me, and I believe God would have answered him. But he goes to a witch and asked of counsel, and God slew him for that and took the potential he had and gave it to a man after his own heart. He did that. He did that. He gave it to another. Now, look with me in John. I'm going to go back to right where I was. Jump with me back to John I want to make one more point. John in the 10th, where I was at, just in John 10, 10. I want to read the verse right above it. I was at John 10, 10. The verse right above it where he says, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, remember Jacob. For the sake of time, I'm not going to get in it, but just remember Jacob. When he's coming back to meet Esau, he has the dream. He sees a ladder on earth reaching into heaven, the angels of God ascending and descending out of heaven. And so he thinks. He awoke. And then he says later, he says, Surely God was in this place, and I knew it not. But the thing of it is, he says, This is the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So he's thinking, he sees this ladder. This is the access. This is the access that we have that God has showed him. Man has access. And I've screamed from this pulpit, this is not about religion. And what I literally mean by that when I say that, to me, religion is man's attempt to reach God. And that is not what this book is about. This book is about where he told Jeremiah, before you was even conceived, I knew you. I loved you with an everlasting love. 
I knew you. I was aware of you. I, was, I knew where you was at. This is not about my feeble attempt trying to reach God. God knew me before I was even conceived. He knew you before you was even conceived. This is not our attempt trying to reach God. This is God's attempt trying to reach us. Because in my human feeble attempt, I cannot do it. I cannot reach God. This is God's attempt trying to reach us. Religion is just my attempt trying to reach God. And it ain't going to work. It won't work. That's why I say this is not about religion. This is not about religion. This is about an experience. About me having an experience with the Creator, Jehovah Himself, robing Himself in flesh, coming to this earth, making Himself known unto His creation that He created. That is what I mean when I say this is not about religion. Now, jump with me back to John, the first chapter of John. And remember where I just spoke of Jacob, where he said, the angels descending and descending. Now, in John, the first chapter, look with me at verse, on verse 51. This is Jesus talking, and he saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So, Jesus is the one that's going to tie heaven and earth together. He said, I am the door. I just read it. I am the door. There's no need to look nowhere else. I am the door. I am the revelation that's going to be made known unto man. I am the one. He said, I am the one that's going to reveal this truth to you. I am going to be the one. There, there will be. There will be no other. I am the one. I am the door. And he said, the angels ascending and ascending, uh, ascending and descending. He said, I am going to be the gateway of which this revelation, I am going to be made known. And then he says, the answers that we need, we can look unto Jesus and find them. There is a lot going on in this world. There is a lot happening in this world. There is a lot of uncertainty in this world. And I guess it does drive people in all different areas. So when we do find ourselves wondering about this or about that, all we need to do is just hide away and just find God and just set some time away and find Him. And God, that's why He repeatedly said, you want to know something? You come to me. You get this Bible. You search it out. You ask of me. Asked of me, God said, and I will tell you. And then look with me, jump with me over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings, and uh, there's a principle that's actually in this. Where in uh, Elisha, we've read it. The king of Assyria was warring against Israel. In 2 Kings 6 chapter, I want to start at verse uh, 15. And when the servant of the man of God had risen early and gone forth, behold, a host come past the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, there's no way we're going to. For the sake of them that don't know, there's an army that's come past them. They had got up. His servant, this is apparently a new servant. The servant had got up and looked around and told uh Elisha, there's no way we're getting out of this. There is too many that has surrounded us. But Elisha tells him in verse 16, he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than, than that, that, that uh, be with them. Verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the man he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Verse 18, and when he came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray, with blindness. And he smote the people with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Verse 19, and I'll stop there just a second, but I'm going to read 19 and 20. Now, my point is this. He tells him the king, but before this, the king of Assyria was ticked off. He wanted to know who among his people had been telling Israel all these secrets. Who among us has the big mouth? And just somebody just said, hey, it's none of us. 
It's that prophet over there. And God's whispering in his ear. He's the one telling him all the moves that you're making. So he said, where is he at? Well, I think he's in Dothan. He said, okay, let's go surround Dothan then. So that's where we picked it up at. He took the army. He went and surrounded Dothan. When the servant got up, he looks out, and literally they are surrounded. So he just woke up. Elisha said, you know what? We need some help. So that's when Elisha said, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And he opened up the eyes of the young man, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. Now, this is my point. Do you think he literally opened his natural eyes, or do you think this was a spiritual opening? I'm not here to argue with you. I just believe it was a spiritual awakening. Now, I'm not saying they wasn't chariots of fire, horses, and all of that, but what I believe, and this is me, you believe what you want, I believe literally the Lord gave him a spiritual awakening of the reality that was there the whole time. In other words, it was there all the time. God said... Just like it is with us. We feel defeated. We feel overwhelmed. And on your worst day, if God could do us just like he did that man and just let us have a spiritual awakening and just let us see how many more are they with us than the enemies and the demons we fight against. There are so many more with us than is against us. So he said, open this man's eyes that he may see. And God opened his eyes and literally, there for a little while, he seen just how one-sided it was when it comes to God working out the situation. So he took, and literally, this is it. That is why preachers have said for years when it comes to the oneness of the revelation, you can't preach it, you can't tell it, you can do everything you do, but until you see it, you can't see it. It is a spiritual it is a spiritual, you have to literally spiritually see it. You have to literally, and that is like this. You have to spiritually see it. So he took and he did this. In verse 19, I'll pick back up. Elisha said unto them, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Now follow me with that point. Follow me. Now this is Elisha telling him that. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And then he led them to Samaria. Now, he prayed. Now, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if you follow me. God prayed, blind the army. God did. God reversed it. He opened this man's eyes, but he darkened the enemy's eyes. And Elisha's over there. Hey, I know who y'all want. Follow me. So they're like, okay. So they followed Elisha, verse 20. And it came to pass when they was come to Samaria... Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes up again. So they, that they may see the Lord opened their eyes. And when they saw, behold, they was in the midst of Samaria. Okay, now the tables had turned. All of a sudden, it wasn't the servant of Elijah said, we ain't going to get out of this. This was the army saying, we're not going to get out of this. This man has tricked us. God has blinded us, and all of a sudden, we wind up in Samaria. My point is this. When I'm spiritually blind, I am easily deceived. The enemy, the one that I allow myself to be led, that's why I've been screaming and just hollering about shows that I sit down, and I'm just calling it entertainment. I am allowing myself to be spiritually misled. They took. They're just following. They're just saying, here's a man said, I can follow him. And what I did, I followed him. And all of a sudden, when the scales fell off, I, well, I found myself wound up somewhere where I shouldn't have been. But God in his mercy, the king said, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to kill these jokers. But Elisha said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. 
we're not going to do it. And the Bible says that he says, you just treat them nicely, basically, feed them, send them home. And the Bible says that they literally, the band of Assyria came no more into the land of Israel. In other words, these old boys didn't forget the kindness that Elisha showed to them. Him, him misleading them there for a little while, they is okay with that because he didn't allow their life. All he had to say was, King, they're yours. And their blood would have flowed that day. But my point, literally, that's my point. When I'm spiritually blind, I'm easily deceived. And that's the point of this story. I believe that's one point that we can get out of this story, that we are easily deceived. Now, jump with me to Matthew, Matthew 24. This is the Lord speaking. He tells them, he said in Matthew 24, 36. This is the Lord talking. No man knows the day. But of the day and hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, they was eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, to the world, it's just business as usual. Life is just going on, and it's just business as usual. The Bible says, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Now, don't let nothing I say discourage you in no way. I'm just trying to look at the reality of this. So when you leave here, I'm not trying to make you depressed by no means, but I'm just trying to be real about it for a, for a little while. But don't look for it to slow down and don't look for it to stop. The Bible says they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. They never stopped. It says the days of Noah, there was an exploding population. It says there was sexual perversion. There was demonic activity. It was constant evil in the heart of man, widespread, widespread corruption and violence. And God said like this, you have 120 years in the days of Noah. Now, let's read. Jump with me. I'm going to jump right quick. I want to read to you just how it was in Genesis because this is what God likened it to. In Genesis 6, 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Now, we're only, this is astounding to me, we're only in the sixth chapter of Genesis was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man, beast, creeping things, and fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. Now, if there's one verse oh, that ever almost me, it's that verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'm telling you, here is a situation where God said, I tell you what, I've had enough. I have had enough. No one is getting out of this. And here is a man that.
that can find favor with God in the midst of this. It's just, that is why I've said never, ever, ever underestimate what God can do in your situation. This is amazing to me. I'm telling you, when God himself said, it even grieves me at my heart that I even made humanity. But yet, here's a man, through all of this, can find grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. I'm telling you, that, that is a lot. One man, literally one man, saved the whole human race. That's why I said, you know, how dark can your situation be? And some people say, you don't know what I live in. I'm telling you, when you find yourself in situations like this, go read that verse. Go read 6-8. Noah found grace. I'm telling you, there was enough garbage going on when God said, I'm going to wipe them all off the face of the earth. And here's a verse that says, one man. I don't know how many people was on the face of the earth. But God said, one man, one family, one family I'll save. The rest of them, that's it. You've got 120 years. But I believe as many of them that wanted to be saved, God would have saved. I know enough about God that he, he would have saved. He would have saved them. That's why he said you have 120 years, man's days. God said, my spirit is not always going to strive with man. His days is going to be 120 years, and that's it. Noah preached. Noah preached. Build that ark. Build that ark, but preach during the time that you're doing this. You cannot forget what you're doing. You have to prepare yourself. You have to prepare an ark for the saving of humanity. That is your family. But in doing this, you cannot be overwhelmed by what's happening you have to preach. And the Bible records Noah as a preacher of righteousness. So that lets me to know, in overwhelming odds, Noah did not forget his responsibility. In a world of just unbelievable corruption, day after day, I don't know how much the man was ridiculed, poked at, just saying it was cruel is an unbelievable understatement of what he had to put up with day after day after day but yet the Bible records him as a preacher of righteousness that just makes me believe he, he didn't forget it I mean after about the 89th year what do you think he felt like he probably felt like planting a hammer in their head I've had enough of you. I've been cussed at enough. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of your mouth. God's fixing to put the water in your mouth. But yet, he was a preacher of righteousness. Somehow, he kept it all in perspective. I mean, God picked a man that just had the grace to do it. I don't know, I don't know how he done it. I really don't. I really don't. But all that, all that does to me is just, I'm telling you, when you're looked at and somebody just out of pure blank desperation says, you don't know what it's like to live where I live. You read them. You read them that verse. Say, yeah, but I know somebody that does. I know somebody that does. I'm telling you, a man that just lived in a cesspool of filth and through it all, through it all, to save not only himself, but his family, he did it. I'm going to turn one more time. Let's turn with me to Ephesians. I want to read, um, I want to read in Ephesians 4. Let's read uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and let's uh, start at verse 11. The Bible says he gave some apostles 
and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things which is the head, even Christ, in verse 16, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now he tells us, verse 12, is a reason for verse 11. He gave us verse 11, and then he gave us verse 12. It is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave us these ministries, literally, because he knew in giving us these ministries that we was going to need it. God was said, I'm going to give you everything that you need to war against the enemy that you're going to fight, that you're going to face. God said, I'm going to make you, as Paul said, more than a conqueror. And sometimes we find ourselves, and we find ourselves sometimes wondering, you know, can I really do this? Yes, we can do this. Yes, we can stand up to the enemy and do this. Because he said we are more than a conqueror. God invested everything that he had when he gave us himself, he said, and literally, he, in, in verse, um, it is in verse 13, he says, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Now, he don't command no structural or even an organizational unity, but what he says is the unity of the faith. I've said, it's not God's will for there to be 350 different churches. I'm telling you, it's not. And I'll stand behind this pulpit and say, we're not the high water mark. I'm telling you, this is a high water mark. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I have really and truly in the last years thought about where the Bible says, and be ye not deceived about people that's literally, that sit on um that sit on pews and, and pastors tell them, you're okay, you're fine. You're okay, you're doing the right thing. You're going to heaven, you're going to meet God. You know, and, and people really and truly, honestly believe that. What are we going to do? You know, what is the point? You know, God gave us everything. He gave his word. And I've really come to the conclusion that if someone, an, an individual, and, and judge me however you want to, but I'm telling you, God gave us his word. This is going to be our judge. And therefore, if an individual is told they are fine, they are doing that, does the individual look in this word? Because this word will be their judge. I'm not saying you not to doubt every pastor, not to doubt every word. But I'm telling you, you better know what's being taught to you is right. You better know what's being taught to you is correct. Because I'm telling you, you are going to stand before God. You will be judged according to this book. So I'm telling you, you, just don't come here and just say, well, Brother Boyd said I was okay, so I'm okay. You know I love him more than anything in the world. But I'm telling you, when it comes to this, we ain't taking nothing for granted. This is the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm telling you, we are not the high watermark. God is a high water mark. His word is a high water mark. That's why he said, that's why I said, in, in the, I think the, the last couple of times I spoke about the blood, he said, put the blood. When I see the blood, what we have is a blood covenant. When God shed his blood on Calvary, it was one time for all. Therefore, when we take his name and the blood that he shed on Calvary, when his spirit is applied to us, we have a blood covenant covenant 
Therefore, he said, I have gave it unto you. When the enemy attacks you, he's not just attacking Kenneth. He is attacking the one that's going to do something about it. He's attacking the one that went to Calvary. So therefore, when the principalities and the powers that come against me and try to uh, harm me or harm my family, it is that's why we, we've been taught through the years, don't stand in your house and just pray. Rebuke the enemy. Rebuke him from your home, from your children, from your spouse. Take authority in your home because I'm telling you, we fight an enemy that is real as you're looking at me. Because sometimes it's just, you know, I believe that's why God would, is, would just never really do it for everybody. Because this is a walk by faith. Sometimes why God did this for this man, it could have been just out of, uh, out of respect to Elisha. I don't know. But sometimes if just literally at our times that we doubt the most, if God would just take the scales off and just let us see. God don't want that. Believe him, take him at his word. He said, believe me, have faith in my word. I'm telling you, you don't have to believe me. Just look out in the world and you don't have, you can see all the evil that you want to see. It is everywhere. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah. Noah couldn't get away from it. There was evil, literally. The Bible says their hearts was only evil continually. He never got away from it. Everywhere Noah went, it was there. It was filthy communication. Used to, you could take your wife and go somewhere, and, and nobody would curse around you. Now, if you say something, you got to fight them before you leave. Now, they have no respect, none whatsoever. It is just, now, as, as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. But now you put it on Facebook, you put it on the web, and it's just everywhere. It's in your face. We're proud of it, and we want to do this. It's just everywhere. The moral, there is just no morals in our land. It is everywhere. That's why I said, as it was, so it is. But right now, as Noah found grace, we don't have to just feel down about this. Noah found grace in the eyes of God, so that gives me hope to stand and say, God, as bad as it was for them, here's a man that just said, God, everywhere I go, there's moral corruption everywhere. There's filth everywhere. But I do not have to be a part of it. I can stand up. I can say, God, touch me. Touch my family. Touch us. Anoint us. Give us the strength that we need. Touch my mind. Cover me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Give me the strength that I need. Bind the hand of the enemy that tried to hinder me. Bind the devil that would try to come in my home. That would try to hinder me. Because we are fighting an enemy that's going to war against us. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal. That's his purpose. And when I sit down and think, well, that's just Brother Boyd preaching. Hey, he's just going, he's just, well, he's just out there today. No, I am losing it. I'm just losing grasp. All I'm doing, I'm just allowing myself to be spiritually misled. What I have to do, I have to stay alert. I have to do. And I'm telling you, when we find Brother Boyd, I'm, I'm, and, 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 if you, and if you don't know this, you ought to, when he comes back at times, or when he comes to this pulpit, and he finds him turn, turned inside out, I'm telling you, it is for a purpose. God is mad, and God wants us us, me, to know something. I'm telling you, it's not that Brother Boyd is mad. I'm telling you, that is how God speaks to us. We have got to know when he comes, and, and that is the Lord's anointed. So when he speaks to us, and he's got a word for us, we have to hear it. We have to hear it. Because I'm telling you, the day and hour in which we live, we are more than conquerors. We do not have to give in to the enemy. We do not have to be scared of him. We do not have to be timid of him. But we are not ignorant, as the Bible says, of his devices. We have to stay aware of him. We have got to, if it's just, we, we have got to watch it. We have got to watch comes in our mind, what we allow ourselves to see, where we allow ourselves to go, what we allow ourselves to do, because we are wholeness. We are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We give ourselves to him. We are one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost filled. In the Jesus' name, hallelujah. It ain't changed. It ain't changed. It ain't changed, and it ain't going to.
As it was, so it is. I'm telling you, and that's just nothing. That's just not a negative. Noah found grace, and so can we. I'm telling you, it ain't going to get so bad. God ain't going to touch us. It ain't going to get so bad. God got so mad, he said, I'm telling you, I'm just grieved. I'm grieved in my heart. I even made man. But look right down there. <laughs> There's a light. There's hope. And we are sitting here because of that man. We're sitting here because of that man. I'm telling you, the spirits at war against us, we have authority over. God has given us a victory. He's given us strength over, anointing. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. We are more than conquerors. And I'll end with this. He said he's come for one purpose, steal, kill, and destroy. That's in this world because he wants one thing, and that's your soul. And he doesn't have that. But he'll go to any length to get it. Right now, we have chose to give our soul to the Lord. And the enemy wars against it. That's why I say rebuke him with the blood of Jesus Christ. The name and the blood, he can't cross. He can't cross. We have authority over him. And I am grateful for it. Lord bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.